Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. For those still listening, this is your weekly Orioles podcast uh, for your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is September 20th, 2017, and this is episode 218. Yes, we're a few days late, but so are the Orioles. My name is Scott Magnus. My name is Jake English. In this episode, we're going to talk about stuff and things and... We'll also say words. But more importantly... We're going to do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week, which is really the only good thing going into this show. Just a warning, everybody. Uh, I'm drinking a Farmhouse Gypsy, uh, a Neon Gypsy IPA from Duclaw. I originally gave this a very low rating. You were very disappointed when I gave it on Sunday to see you. It's growing on me not so much as a as a recommendation, but it's growing on me as like, a, okay, it's drinkable. It's It's fine. I think it's much more of a, a summer beer, too, in terms of kind of having more of a citrusy slash farmhouse characteristic yeah, than anything. with Saison yeast. How do you feel about Saison yeast? Mm, not so much. Okay. Not my thing. Uh, I am drinking a Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale from 2016, so nice age selection, <laughs> uh, mellowing out the nutmeg and allspice notes that are present within it. So uh, highly recommend your darker beverages, such as a pumpkin ale or... The best one would, of course, be the Worldwide Stout offered through uh, Dogfish Head. Keep one of those bottles around, pop it open a year or two, and uh, it will have a glorious melody on your tongue. You uh, you judge me for all of my grapefruiting during the summer. I judge you for all of your pumpkining during the fall. It's the great circle of life. It is the great circle of life. Um, with that, if you want to know what we are drinking and mock us in the process, follow us on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. And I'm at JakeE4025. And with that... Let's go ahead and dabble on over into the medical wing. I may never giggle again. So the Orioles are in great shape right now. They are going into uh, the end of the season with nobody officially on the DL. So they are in the perfect position to enter into October. Um, wait. No, this would have been a great situation for no one to be hurt if they were a contending baseball team. The thing is, is that they're pretty banged up from having no official injury report. Not re- I mean, okay. Adam Jones got hit in the hand. It doesn't seem like Adam Jones thinks it's severe whatsoever. Manny Machado is sick with an illness, which... I don't know what's been going around lately. Like, I've heard strep, sinus colds. They have a case of the sucks. It, whatever is going around in the Baltimore area, I feel bad for anybody that catches it. Uh, I was certainly sick on Monday, which is why this this podcast is um, 
Delayed. Stop, stop swapping, uh, swapping spit with Manny Machado. Well, if it keeps him in Baltimore, let's let's keep it going, okay? I noticed your ears seemed especially itty-bitty today. They are a bitty, itty-bitty. Um, and you should see the tattoo I've got on my arm right now. But um, Tim Beckham, emergency wisdom tooth surgery again. Not big deal. Um, it's just He's just hanging in there at this point. Um, Zach Burton, I think, is the bigger topic, which is um, having knee discomfort once again and... Uh, it sounds like he's going to be shut down for the season, and it looks like a recovery period of three months. I don't know about you, but this screams Chris Tillman 2.0 to me. Um, you mean you're ready for Chris Tillman to become the closer of the Baltimore Orioles? No, I, I just wonder. <laughs> be awful. I just wonder to a portion if this is going to be a situation where we're going to be entering again into 2018 with Zach Burton not being the Zach Burton we thought he should be. Sure. I mean, I think that 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 danger exists just because he'll never be what he was again. I mean, you know, he he has the same hangover that Chris Davis had after 2013. But don't you think that there's a better chance of him actually doing whatever needs to be done to his knee in the offseason versus right now when he's saving himself for these ever-important appearances late in 2017? Jake, um, I, I enjoy your logic here. Um, how does that apply to the Orioles? I, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I, I look, I hope that Zach Burton has a very, you know, nice off season, gets back into health and comes back into spring training and absolutely dominates. But a part of me also as the bitter disgruntled Orioles fan also says, this is going to come back and bite us in the butt. Um, I do raise the question of um, whether or not this also potentially harms the aspect of Zach Burton's trade value. We talked about it at the trade deadline saying, well, if Zach Burton's not traded now, the Orioles could potentially offer him during the offseason if they're going to go into rebuilding mode. If Zach Burton is injured or rehabilitating for a few months, I would wonder to myself whether his trade value is even less than it's worthwhile to trade him for. Maybe it is Chris Tillman 2.0. Think of it this way. Okay. Zach Britton is no longer the closer he once was. Right. He's an injury question mark. Yep. Maybe now's the time to re-sign him. Um, maybe. I, I mean, I guess you could do that. But again, I come back to, can the Orioles afford Zach Britton right now? Can the Orioles afford a broken down has-been Zach Britton? Or can they afford the dominant 2014-2016 Zach Britton? All right, so Zach Burton is probably going to make in the ballpark of twelve to thirteen million dollars next year, correct? Yeah, if you want to use real numbers and real facts, yes. All right, so if you're proposing the aspect of extending Zach Burton, what kind of contract are you offering Zach Burton potentially to basically say, "Hey, here's an insurance policy for you to get through at least twelve dollars"? No, um, seriously, yeah, I. Your point is is well made, and and I don't think that the Orioles, who desperately need to spend money on starting pitching, should waste those resources buying a bullpen. Right. And I mean, I guess the one option you could do is you could say, if you need some additional money for 2018, I guess you could theoretically say, we want to pay you less in 2018 and extend it in 2019, 2020. Or you could just go with the Chris Davis deal and basically pay him to 2050, but... um Anywho, we'll outbid ourselves again and again. I feel like we've gotten a little bit away from the medical wing. So let's summarize this all up in 140 characters or less for this week on the Twitters. Um, Jake, why don't you go ahead and take the first one? Well, you know, I, I love this tweet. It comes from Avi Miller, who of course tweets at Avi Miller. And look, he's in San Francisco now. He yes. was in Boston. He was in He Cleveland. took his heart. 
Yeah. Uh, look, just stay in one place. I can't keep it straight, but that means that we're getting great tweets from Great Ballpark. So he's like Indiana Jones. Dun, 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 dun. He belongs in a museum. Anyway, um, you named him after the dog. Look, he tweets after my heart, which is just you know we as Orioles fans whine and complain and whine. Yep, and whine. That's who we are. Avi writes, uh, "Why don't we? Uh, why won't Buck let Austin Hayes pitch already? This is how it works, right? Yes, mm. that's exactly it." Only Nick Markakis would have stayed as a pitcher as opposed to a right fielder. Anyway. Well, at least it's consistent, though. Um, Matt Kremenser, who posts at Matt Kremenser, uh, introduces this interesting off-season plan for the Orioles. Tune into the off-season when the Orioles try to convince you they need another first baseman DH, and Castro slash Blyer will hold down the rotation. <laughs> it's so disastrous that it has a plausible sign of reality. I'm yeah, saying, that's- you know what? Pedro Alvarez showed such a good minor league aspect for the Orioles, and he did such a good job in September that we're going to go ahead and sign him, and we're going to put him out there with Austin Hayes. And, um, you know, Trey Mancini, we're actually going to try to move into uh, the catcher spot, and we're going to trade away Francisco for, you know, maybe some, I don't know. Sadly, international we've, draft slots. We've no, seen crazier. We've seen crazy. We have seen crazier. All right, this this may be tweet of the week territory. No, right this here. is not maybe. This is tree of the week territory. Right, this is your official uh, bird's eye view tweet of the week. Uh, this comes from a good friend of the program, Orioles fans problems at Orioles fan probs with a Z because he thought that was funny at sixteen. Um, you've heard of was El- it sixteen or thirteen? <laughs> I think this was immature standpoint of a while back. But anyway, go ahead. You've heard of Elf on the Shelf, but what about dot dot dot? So this is Zach Britton holding uh, baby cats in his hands, basically, which, of course, comes back to kittens on Britain. Kittens on Britain. So very well done. Nothing like a little wordplay. I will tell you, though, I am more smitten for Craig Gentry's mitten than I am smitten for Britain's kittens. Folks, say that five times fast. I can't I can't believe I said it once. That's how great the season is, guys. All right, the final one, next one I want to do is the send-off. This comes from Stacey Folkemore at Stacey M. Folk, the former Grand Pumbaa of Camden Chat. Po- Grand Pumbaa Emeritus. Oh, uh, yes, Pumbaa Emeritus. I hope J.J. Hardy starts next Saturday. It'll be the most crowded game of the weekend, of course, because it's a giveaway game. I want to hear J.J. Hardy one more time from us. I really do. I It, it, will, it will be a... a Wonderful moment to be able to send off um, a, a player who has become a favorite Oriole. But, Scott, that's not the tweet that made me sad this week. Um, Dylan Atkinson, who, of course, tweets at the Atkinson OU, tweeted out a, a portion of Rock's blog from this week all about going up and talking to uh, J.J. Hardy. He took a screen grab, and, and here's the text. There are seven home games left on the schedule, the last on September 24th against the Rays. Hardy, a pending free agent, assuming the club denies his $14 million option for 2018, could be closing out the Orioles' chapter of his career. It figures to hit him harder in the coming days. Quote, I haven't thought about it, end quote, he said. I don't know how to answer that. I mean, right now I'm here for whatever they need me for, whatever they want. The fans have been really good to me for seven years, so dot dot dot. Hardy's eyes redden and begin to moisten. And he doesn't finish his thought. Nothing else needs to be said, and the conversation ends. It's going to hit him harder. How could it not? 
Oof. Oh my gosh. Who is chopping <laughs> all of the onions in the studio right now? That is that's oh. a tough one. <laughs> well, Scott, let's um let's do our best to collect ourselves. Let's um put our makeup back together and uh come back and talk a little Orioles baseball. Dear listener, if you just heard me say, we'll come back and talk a little Orioles baseball, and you're still here, you are committed, and or you should be committed. And we are sorry. (laughs) The Orioles are in the midst of their first losing season since 2011. Look, I don't know at this point if it's official or not, but let's face it. It's going to happen. It's happening. It's a lost season. What's the point, right? And uh, this end of the season has a different feel to it. in, in our frustration, in our hopelessness, compared to what we've experienced for the entire Duquette-Showalter era. Tuesday's loss to the Red Sox, their second 11-inning defeat in as many days, well, it was interesting. It was interesting, though, because after it was over, I didn't feel so bad. I didn't feel as bad as I expected to be. I was not as pissed as I expected to be after a game in which an Orioles reliever literally threw away a game. Which is true Orioles Dark Ages aspect of... Oh, it's right out of the script. I mean, you think back to Dark Ages and you think Jack Cust basically falling, going (laughs) into home plate against the Yankees. And you're just like, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. And he's tagged out, falling back. Yeah, it's just this is classic Dark Ages baseball when that happens. So, But I I mean, I I thought about why I wasn't so upset. And uh, and I thought, you know, the season isn't going anywhere and soon it's going to be over. And that allowed me to kind of look forward to basically a week and a half from now or whatever it is when there will be no baseball. And so at this point, I'm content just to take what I can get and enjoy, you know, the entertainment of baseball just while I can have it. But I got to thinking, I wrote about this briefly on on the blog. This is the last of the carefree baseball. This like this next, what is it, 11 games at this point? This is all we get where it doesn't have to matter because next season there are no next times, right? We look at the 2018 season as the last of the window and sure, we're still going to have players like Trey Mancini and we're still going to have players like Jonathan scope. We're going to have plenty of people under contract, you know, Gosman and Bundy, but we lose the big ones, right? We lose Machado. We lose Jones. We lose Showalter. Perhaps we lose Duquette. Perhaps 2018 really is the end and there are no tomorrows. Those, I think in many ways, that will be even more of a stress for me as a fan. Because if they get off to a rough start in April, boy howdy, I'm going to be tearing my clothes and ripping my hair in the streets and wailing. But for now, I don't have that pressure, right? For now, they lose a disappointing game. So what? Maybe something fun will happen tomorrow. I feel like we've been in this position before. And I, what I, why I wanted to bring this up too was, we had had a conversation um, on Twitter about 2012, and everyone has great fond memories of 2012. But let's be honest, folks. The entire 2012, we were continuing to wait for the shoe to drop. I know certainly, I was thinking about it this season, about I was looking through the games that I had been to, and I went to probably about 14 games or so, which was a little low for me, all things considering, but with certain situations on the personal side, it made it more difficult. But then I thought back to 2012, 
And I think we went to like 25 games that season. I mean, it was a ridiculous number. And sure, we were younger men at the time. But at the same point, we both had children um, that we had to take care of. So it wasn't like— Take care of them. I just left them in the house with a pack of Skittles. You you did do that with your wife, yes. But anywho, I mean, 2012 was a situation where we said, we are not sure if we're ever going to see a winning ball club ever again. We need to get out to the park as as, as much as possible so that we can experience this because we may never see this again. We were not sure if this was a fluke. And if it was a fluke, we wanted to be part of that fluke as much as possible. And I feel like after we saw what happened in 2013 and we said, all right, they didn't get to the playoffs, but they weren't a complete embarrassment either. It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't a disaster. You went into 2014 saying, all right, they could be okay again. They're going to have to get lucky. And sure enough, 2014 was in potentially even more of a magical season than 2012. I still consider 2012 in terms of magic level to be a higher level 2014. I mean, you look at that team, and there's no reason that team should have been as good as they yeah. actually were, but they were. Um, it was black Orioles magic. But I, but I want to come back to 2012, and I think it's the situation of going into 2018 where it's going to be that situation of you're waiting for that shoe to drop, and you're going to want to um, – experience as much as possible and you're going to want to live and die with it so i feel like certain times this season i kind of turned off the games even early in the season i'm like eh, we'll get them tomorrow whereas in 2012 when we lost a game i thought that's it it's going to be 2005 again the slump has begun the end is near um and i certainly didn't feel that way too significantly this year i did think at certain points they're like eh, they're probably not a playoff team but it's okay next year like you mentioned it truly is going to be um, a gut-wrenching, psychotic experience for Birdland. Let me just... Um, let's forget 2018. I'll come back to it for just a second. There's something past 2018? No. Okay. Um, you know, can we look back... Can you look back at this point at 2012, 2014, et cetera, and kind of do the smile because it happened, not cry because it's over type of deal? Like, if that's all you get out of this era of baseball, will you still be able to look back at this window favorably man i tell you what though we don't want to talk about it but 2016 was a really fun year too i mean all things considering the orioles last year played really nice baseball and they had some really great games with a lot of walk-off victories and a lot of games that you're just like they shouldn't have won that game but they won it and this year we kept talking about saying there's nothing that makes this team seem like they are a playoff team and maybe they could turn into one but we kept on saying eh they're kind of meh, and they're kind of meh. And then we'd be like, and their pitching is terrible right now, and their offense is terrible, and now they're absolutely horrible. But they should get better, but still, they're not in the same league as like the Red Sox. And I said this at the very beginning of the season. They're not in the same league as the Red Sox. Am I surprised about the Yankees a little bit? I think everyone's surprised about the Yankees a little bit. But I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Coming into the season, we said the Orioles are probably going to be an 82-win team. And of course, we were off a little bit on that, but still, let's come back to the aspect we said, in order for them to be a playoff team, they're going to have to accelerate and do better, similar to the, what they've done in 2012 and 2014, 2016, and this year, there was nothing special about it. You can point to Trey Mancini, you can point to, I guess, Dylan Mundy a little bit, but on all honesty, there was a lot more negatives than there were positives, which would explain their their, their record. Not to say that it wasn't fun, and that that's the thing, looking you know forward to these next few games, but... I, I will give Major League Baseball props in the fact that that whole wild card format, even with a team that was not special, like you just 
like you just mentioned, sure, we had that Eastern philosopher said that, you know, the second wild card would basically be our, our hope. And um, it, it turned out to be that way yeah. through mid-September. But it was fool's gold is the best way to describe it. I wouldn't say the games were meaningful, but they were at least interesting. They you know? were entertaining and they kept us entertained through mid-September until we said, all right, they ran out of gas. Okay, quick aside. Sure. How long do you think it's going to be before the second wild card team has a losing record? Oh, there's no chance that this works. No out. chance ever? No. No chance. Because I think back like a few years, I think it was the Saints made the the playoffs of the NFL at yeah. seven and nine. No. You don't think ever? Never. Okay. All right. I, I from you looks to God's ears. The division winners would have to be so good in order to have that happen. Because you think about it, if you have four teams ahead of the team that was in the fifth place, that means the other four teams would have to destroy everybody else in Major League Baseball for this to happen. You would need three divisions where basically you had the Yankees and Red Sox at, at the top of their game, and then the you would, Orioles, Rays, and Blue Jays just you know. Being you would terrible. need three teams right around a hundred wins, probably at least, um, in order for it to make it happen. But I, I just don't think it's possible. No. Okay, fair enough. Well, I, I don't want to go too deep into what no, yeah. twenty eighteen may yeah, want to be. We've got the whole off season to ruminate and cry about that. Okay. But there are a few things from 2017 that I want to highlight and I want to ask how we should feel about. Hit the music and let's come back. So, Jake, you were talking about feelings. Um, so I think we're going to call this segment Feel Me Up. If you're okay with that, <laughs> if I if if I wasn't okay with it, I'm not sure that I would have a say. Well, I'm going to let you feel me up. So, Jake, feel me up on this. JJ Hardy, how do you even begin to say goodbye? You know, we have to call this episode "Feel Me <laughs> Up." <now. laughs> how, do, <laughs> how do I even? Begin? How do you even say goodbye? To the feels that are JJ with, Hardy with a good feel up. Um, no, I'm I'm actually you know I'm pretty bummed about this because. J.J. Uh, Hardy is no longer a super productive player for the Orioles. It's been tough to watch him just decline. Um, but let's remember, looking back on it, J.J. Hardy's been part of this team since 2010, and I'll, I'll argue he's an Orioles Hall of Famer. No question. Orioles he's an Orioles, Orioles, Orioles Hall, Hall of Famer, Famer. As, a, as a very productive member of very good teams, a team leader during that time. Uh, and we shouldn't also forget the fact that he was an offensive weapon when we got him. You know, for, I think for the first three years that he was with the Orioles, he was hitting 25 home runs plus and the most productive offensive shortstop, maybe not in terms of way to runs created plus, but at least on the, the, the power front. J.J. Hardy was an important player who could bat fifth, sixth, seventh in a lineup and give you pop as a, as a really you know secondary uh, complimentary player. So Matt Kremitzer, who writes for Camden Depot. I've heard him. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Matt's. Um, he's got an article coming out tomorrow on JJ Hardy, kind Ooh. of kind of propping up the aspect of how good JJ Hardy actually was during his tenure here for the Orioles, and he has this little teaser. So we're going to kind of go back into the Twitterverse really quickly. Feel me up with a tease, Scott. So Orioles shortstops, all Orioles shortstops from 2008 to 2010, their combined F WAR was negative 4.5 during that time period. JJ Hardy in 2011, after he was acquired posted a 4.4 F war for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. J.J. Hardy um, had some really nice years. I mean, you look at that 2011 season, 30 home runs, 
310 on base percentage, 113 weighted runs created plus, and a 14.7 um, UZR 150. Uh, JJ Hardy was amazing. I mean, you look at his F4 numbers 4.4, 2.4, 3.3, 3.3, and that was up until 2014. Then you get to 2015, eh, not so great. And then you get to 2016, 2.4. And then you get to this year, negative 0.6. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to kind of look at the decline after 2014. But when that deal was made, we were all ecstatic. We're like, great, J.J. Hardy's coming back, and we don't have to worry about it. Not to mention, there was nobody here. Yeah. So it comes back to the situation of you can complain and say, oh, well, J.J. Hardy really wasn't that good. But even with J.J. Hardy's performance, he was better than what the Orioles posted in previous years before J.J. Hardy got here. Absolutely. The other thing is that, you know, when J.J. Hardy re-signed here, we already had star power. You know, we already had star players. Sure. And you don't necessarily need an all-star at every position. We've talked about this before. You just need players that are slightly above average. So if you can put up a one-to-two war like Hardy did during 2016, great. Right. If You shouldn't be posting zero negative point six for the salary that you are, but... The season that you can post up a one or two war, I will take that any day from a shortstop. All right. So you just you just threw out a bunch of numbers, sure. Scott. Let me feel you up okay. on J.J. Hardy. Um, let me ask you this dumb question. Sure. Is it possible to say that J.J. Hardy was in any way responsible for the, the development of Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado? You hear it said a lot. Is there anything to it? Um, here's what I'll say. I would say the talent was always there for those two players. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a defensive positioning standpoint, I do think that J.J. Hardy has helped out slightly from a defensive positioning standpoint. I also believe personally that Jonathan Scope is the second baseman that he is right now in terms of the turn. Not saying the arm strength, but the turn in terms of his ability to work with J.J. Hardy during this time. I don't know if he would have been as good of a second baseman um, in terms of the turn, not the arm. Um, without J.J. Hardy. When you have such an excellent technician at shortstop, right. it's a lot easier to become a better second baseman. And not to mention, you think about it, you know, that turn position where you're kind of slashing your shoulder, it's the same thing when you're like following through with a ping pong paddle, basically. So, you know, you had an expert in the process. I wonder who will become the, uh, next year's uh, ping pong champion. All right, next next gutsy question here. Sure. Um, do you think that he will be a future coach or manager in this league? When you asked Orioles in the last few years, they would say either JJ or Weeders would be the most likely manager at the major league level. Uh, full-time manager or bench coach? Whatever. Uh, full-time manager, no. Bench coach and or someone like that, yeah. But I think it's going to be one of those situations where Hardy's going to start in the minors to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he has the accolade and credit to really – Go and be a bench coach for the time being. All right, put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to it. Okay. Let me ask you the obvious question. Look, we don't think he's going to be here next year. Right. right? Do you think that he will play anywhere at Major League Baseball next year? <sighs> it's a question of how much money he's willing to accept. If he's willing to accept a 2 or $3 million deal, he could probably get a deal somewhere. Um, I, I just don't think people are going to want to take him on since he can only play shortstop. And he really is only a starter. Right. He 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 offers you nothing off the bench. He, he The only thing he offers you is a defensive replacement. Right. And that's all. Um, I, I think that there's plenty of other teams that have the minor league depth to fill it in that J.J. Hardy doesn't need to be part of that position. Okay. So, so we think it's unlikely he'll find a, a monetary or position 
that uh, situation that he will find palatable at the major league level. We don't think he'll be here. We don't think that he's a, he's ready to be a major league coach in any way, shape, or form. You said, well, maybe J.J. Hardy will have to go to the minors, so I'll ask you this. Do you think there's any chance that J.J. Uh, Hardy will remain a member of the organization simply not playing ball? For the time being, no. All right. But I think maybe long-term, yes. There's one possibility and i don't think it's a good possibility but we talked about ryan flaherty in the past and ryan flaherty is going to become a free agent again this year the orders are going to need to have a utility infielder does it make any sense to bring jj hardy back as that utility infielder my gut says no but can't, can't play first he can't catch i mean that's not my i wouldn't really care about that personally but i mean i think you got plenty of first baseman on this team sure uh and the third catcher in, in reality eh, like Honestly, just put Chris Davis back there and just be like, yeah, if he breaks something, we'll get the insurance money for it. Fair enough. All right. Scott Magnus. Sure. Favorite J.J. Hardy memory? <sighs> um, I think my favorite J.J. Hardy memory is during FanFest um, when um, your wife accosted him. And, she um, did. And basically literally jumped on him at that point. So, yeah. She did. He he still he shudders when he sees women. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's easy to say the 2014 ALDS slide. Can we talk about that aspect? It still boggles my mind to this day that J.J. Hardy scored from first base on that play. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can mention it a lot, and I'm like, nah, that didn't happen. Like, J.J. Hardy wasn't the one that scored that run. And the thing is, though, is that you you don't have any problems believing that he got sent because Windmill, oh, windmill. loved to send J.J. Yeah. Hardy. He's like, oh, slow white man? He's no. going. He's yeah. going. But, uh, I mean, it's it's just a, a, such a pinnacle moment in Oreo's lore at this point. You know, that, that famous image, he's right there in the middle. And I think it's also the aspect of you look at that play with the slide. And the slide is the really big thing. Is, and it's Hardy going to the outside and doing the sweeping slide across the plate. And you can literally see the glove no more than an inch or two away from tagging him out. And the game completely changed on that. It went from being a tie game to the Orioles being in the lead. And I'm not saying the the stadium wouldn't have rubbed it in the same fashion. Um, but the fact that JJ Hardy scored from first base and the Orioles took a lead in a game that just like, I'm not sure if we're gonna get back in this. That's the reason that was just that's what our Orioles magic will be for this this decade and this 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 age of Orioles baseball. I don't think another moment will top that um unless the Orioles somehow get to the World Series. I agree that that's the most iconic. Uh, J.J. Hardy moment, but here's my favorite, sure. actually. And my favorite took place during the decline, right? My favorite J.J. Mo- JJ Hardy moment was the whole, you know, not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. He had a game, I think it was last year, in which he hit not one, but two home runs around the pesky pole in Boston. They were right? the most improbable home runs yeah. of that year, yeah. And, and and he hit the first one, and he had an all G shucks look as he rounded at first. And then you know you could see him kind of laughing about it in the in the dugout. And then in his next at bat, he did it again, and he was was visibly laughing as he rounded first base. Like he, there was no decorum, there was no professionalism. He was just a kid laughing. I, I loved it because you know. It felt good because it was hardy. You knew he was scuffling. You knew that he was no longer the player that he was. But here was this fun thing that he was a part of that happened that helped the team. Um, I, I just so I really love that. What game. you're saying is the Red Sox are going to sign JJ Hardy? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and then, we, of course, we can't talk uh, about JJ Hardy without talking about Ryan Wagner's introduction, which has become 
absolutely a part of the connection between Hardy and the fans. I think the only thing I can pay tribute to Ryan Wagner's introduction is the following. Okay, I'm done now. Is that a pause? It was a pause. Nice. <laughs> Look, I would love to spend, you know, a 50-minute podcast just sending off J.J. Hardy. Lord knows he deserves it. But I have nothing else to say. J.J. Hardy, I hope, gets in every game from here on out. Um, it, it'll be nice to send him off and, and listen to Stacey Fulkemer. Cheer J.J. Hardy. Can you imagine his last at bat? I hope it's a moment where the fans stay on their feet the entire bat, cheering him on a fond farewell. Yep. Let's talk about a couple other things, shall we? We talked about the old man. Do we have to? Yes. Episode one callback. <laughs> we, we talked about the old man. Let's talk about the rookie. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hayes. Yeah. What have we seen so far? Um, I've seen uh, a player that has pretty decent uh, range in the outfield. Uh, arm strength isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, nice approach at the bat, kind of being able to spray it across all, all the fields. Um, certainly a player that I don't think is an all-star player, but again, one of those players that could easily be um, a one-to-two war player. Okay. What is Austin Hayes? I'm going to break my own rule. What's Austin Hayes' rightful role in 2018? Uh, starting right fielder. Starting right fielder yeah okay um do you think that that says more about austin hayes or our organizational depth in the outfield i think it says more about the aspect of um do you really want to go out and pay eight million dollars to a player like seth smith who i'm not criticizing seth smith Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to maximize payroll flexibility and basically offer money why don't you put someone out there that could put up one to two war that's only getting paid five hundred thousand dollars as opposed to a player that is going to get paid $8 million for one to two war. Yeah, you're, you're right. And we just said you don't need an all-star in every position, but you know where we do need to spend money next year? Starting pitching. Starting pitching. Right. But again, I kind of would be very interested, and we've talked about this before, you know, Austin Hayes has played center field before. He gives you that option of playing that center field. I, I think Hayes could be a potential um, David Lowe-esque defender. Um, defender, not offense, but defender. Um but I think he can play with the bat a little bit better, too. I, I personally think that he could put up some decent numbers, but I'm not saying they're going to be monumental numbers. But if you're going to bat him, let's say, you know, seven through nine hole, I'm fine with that. Austin Hayes batting out of the leadoff spot like he is currently Wednesday night. Not exactly what I would want to do, though. Sure. The only thing I agree with everything you've said so far. The only thing that concerns me is that I'm so burned by 2015. Sure. Right. Where they went out and they got Travis Snyder. They kept David Lowe, yep. as you brought up, and and they hoped, right? Um, this team has shown that if they just get some starting pitching that's decent, that they can be for real. Sure. So maybe I'm making mountains of molehills, but I do wonder, I do worry to a certain extent that failing to address the outfield situation with a, with a known quantity is asking for pain. Um, so, you know, I like what I see from Austin Hayes so far, but I just, I don't know that I'm in love with him yet. Like I said, I think I wouldn't feel him up is what I'm saying. I think my feels tell me it's better for us to focus our efforts on using that money for better places. And right now outfield is probably not one of those areas that I want to focus on specifically going into a transition year. Um, that's not to say that I don't think you could get a journeyman. And have them come in and be a fourth outfielder, but for the time being... A Jay Payton, if you will. I mean, anybody, but I just want someone to be that fourth outfielder. Um, 
and theoretically someone that could come in as a defensive replacement for oh i don't know trey mancini maybe um and kind of go from there well adam jones i mean you could have austin hayes move over to center field for the time being i mean i'm not saying that he would be adam jones but he could get by in a in a, in a pinch sure all right trey mancini sure i'm willing to admit i was wrong i think um i think the majority of us were wrong it, it comes back to we started off in spring training and we said yeah but it's eventually going to flame out so why are the orioles thinking this is going to work out and uh trey mancini has definitely proven himself both at the plate but also from a defensive standpoint um i'm not saying he's a great defender but i will say that he has shown a first step in an instinct in the outfield that i'm surprised about is the best way to describe it here's what i think that that trey mancini has turned himself into in the outfield he's a guy that won't hurt you out there right he he's going to make most of the plays he should make and he's not going to he's not going to get burned doing too much right i think that trey mancini in left field is eh, okay and frankly i'm all right with that because his bat plays I think his bat plays to left field or just, oh, God, we have to stick him somewhere. Where can it be? I've been impressed with with Mancini in left field far more than I was supposed to be. The, look, the routes are ugly sometimes or, you know, the, the, the range is not where it should be. But there are so few games that transpire where I say, oh, gosh, if only we had a real left fielder out there where Trey Mancini has cost us a run or the game or whatever. Here's what I'll say about Trey Mancini, though. As much as we like to herald and say, oh, Trey Mancini had a great year and it's a rookie of the year, year I, I have to disagree entirely. I look at Trey Mancini's numbers and I look at how well he does in the outfield, and the name that continually pops in my head is Luke Scott. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I'm looking at Luke Scott's numbers right now. 2008 for the Orioles, 2.1 F4. 2009, 1.3, 2010, 2.7, uh, 2011, 0.1, and that's when he only had a half a season with us. I, I see very a lot of similarities between him and Luke Scott, where it's, okay, he's got an above-average bat, and we want to put him somewhere. Let's put him in left field and hope he doesn't damage us too much. I don't think it's a situation where I would completely agree with you of saying uh, he's not a liability. I still think he's a liability, but I don't think he's as bad as for example, Mark Trumbo is in the outfield. You're saying he's a liability, but his bat makes up for it. For the yes, that's what I'm going to go with. Yes, I, I think that's fine. Yeah, and, I think that's fine. And many teams, I'm sure, have that. Right, and that's what I'm going with again. Is if you could sandwich, let's hypothetically say Mancini puts up a two F four season, and let's say Hayes does too. If you could have Oof. a situation of you have two two four in the outfield, and you're putting up eight F four in the outfield, I'll take that any day of the week. Would I love to have it more? Yeah. But you know what I would really like to have is some dynamic pitchers out there that are basically dominating for this rotation. So you want Mancini and Hayes to pitch. I got it. Yep. Do you think that Trey Mancini will ever play first base for the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, not unless Chris Davis is signed or traded, um, which I don't know how they're going to do. I've got one possibility, but I don't want to spoil that on this podcast for the time being. We can talk about that this all season. I've been doing some dark soul searching and trying to figure out how we could get rid of Chris Davis's contract. And let me just tell you, the results were ugly. The results were very ugly. All right. So, Trey Mancini, um, a friend of mine at work, sure. uh, my, uh, 
Is this the friend that ba- banter's with you? Or yes, this is this is banter friend. But he he had a really really great line today. Okay, and I, and I want to give him all the credit in the world, and I want to I just want to share this with you. He said, you know, Mancini's had a great year. It's fantastic. Oh God, what if Mancini is Rimold? Mm-hmm. No, no, just think for a sec. Just fo- just follow me on this moment. Sure, okay? I'm listening. Feel me up. Um, Nolan Rimold had a very good rookie season. Maybe it's not as good as as we remember it. It was what 2009, 2009, and he posted a uh, 365 on base percentage, a 117 weighted runs created plus. He posted a 1.1 F4 over 411 plate appearances. So in 400 plate play appearances, right? So yeah. and again, you come back to Trey Mancini who posted a 118 weighted runs created plus. So we're we're close here. All right, that, that's fire. I remember talk about, you know, Nolan Reimold should be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year candidate. And maybe that was just Orioles fans being Orioles fans. Sure. But think about this for a second. What if Trey Mancini is a flash in the pan? We're looking at the post-Machado, post-Jones, post-Duquette and Showalter world and saying to ourselves, it's okay. We still have scope. We still have Mancini. What if... Mancini is never again what he is now. How depressing is that thought? Here's what I would say to that is, if you look at Nolan Rimold's spray pattern in terms of when he came up into the league in 2011, 2012. I'm sorry, his sprain pattern? Because there was... There There was many of them. But if you look at his spray pattern, I feel like Mancini goes to multiple portions of the field much better than Nolan Rimold ever did. Nolan Rimold was a very heavy pull hitter, in my opinion. Um... So I think if you get into a situation and you look at the difference between Nolan Reimold and Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini does a lot better job at play coverage and also putting the ball into play um, and taking advantage of the field where Nolan Reimold just hit the ball as hard as possible. And then it was a situation where it was, I'm going to run as fast as heck to try to get to the base before this other guy does. J.J. <gasps> Hardy almost hit a home run, I thought, and I almost <laughs> got really excited. Anywho, he didn't, and it was just a foul ball, but... <laughs> That's Anywho, excellent. can you isolate that sound? By the way, we're can, leaving it in the podcast. No, no, no. I mean, I, can I just get a clip <gasps> of you? I'm gonna use. That I thought it was like Cal Ripken 21-31 game where everybody's like, "All right, he's actually gonna get a home run in this like last time ever." But uh, listeners, the the desk lifted when that <gasps> happened. It was crazy. Um, all right, let's stop talking about Nolan Rimmel because that makes me sad. Let's, uh, you know, I t- I said we wouldn't talk about 2018. Just makes me sore, really, but especially my neck. So we're going to talk about 2018. Didn't we say we weren't going to do this? Yes. Um, yeah, we'll talk about 2018 in all, all in due time. The, the offseason is coming, like winter or whatever that is on that show that you watch. Um, but I just want to make a quick list of people that we never, ever want to see in an Orioles uniform again. Sure. So it's got to be a ball, though, right? That's the top of the list. I can't imagine... Um, that Abaldo Jimenez would come back whatsoever. No, 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 no. Do you want him to be back? Do do you? More importantly, do you want him to never, ever, ever come back? Uh, no, I don't want him to come back. All right, who else is on that list? Um, we. I think the one conversation we need to have is about um, Wade Miley, uh, and and see because we had talked about with this with John Mioli. I, the last time we tried to have this conversation the tape got wiped. I'm not sure we should bring the, it up. The tape did get wiped, but um Wade Miley is an interesting conversation about what do you do with Wade Miley? Here's what I'll say about that. Um he's got a player option for 12 million dollars. 
Marco Estrada just signed today for $13 million next season, and Marco Estrada is putting up a 2.6 F war this season. If I could get Marco Estrada for $13 million, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would not pay Wade Miley $12 million, and here's the reason why. People are going to argue that that is the going rate for pitchers at this time, and I can't argue with them. Wade Miley probably deserves somewhere in that ballpark of 10 to $12 million because that's what a starting pitcher is going to get. That's basically bare bones. If you're going to pitch in the major leagues, you're going to get somewhere in that ballpark. But we just talked about the aspect of the Orioles are going to have to get significantly better in order to be getting into the playoffs and also potentially competing for the wild card and or getting into the division. So in order to do that, they can't just go with mediocre and they can't just go with, all right, we're going to pay you for your value. They need to basically go out and get people that can basically rise above their given value. And nothing that I'm seeing from Wade Miley um, at this moment tells me he is going to get any better than he currently is. You said it all when you said that the $13 million is the going rate for a pitcher. Wade Miley, not a pitcher. Okay, that, that that's fair. I mean, I don't think Wade Miley is terrible. And what leads you to that conclusion? Okay, look, if you look at his numbers over the past few years, you look at 2015, 2.6 F war. You look at last year, 1.6 F war. And then you look at this year, which is 1.0. And then you look at Chris Tillman's numbers. And Chris Tillman is not that much better. Yet we're all fine with for Chris Tillman coming back, but not for, of course, the money that we're going to be paying for Wade Miley. So, Jake, I asked you this question. If you could pay Wade Miley the same amount of money as Chris Tillman, which one would you rather have back, Wade Miley or Chris Tillman? Which one do you think has the higher upside? Can I just quietly sneak back into the hedges and not have to make that decision? You can, but if you do that, Brian Mattis comes back as a starter for this team. Oh, God. Um, I, I, I take Tillman. Okay. I, I just don't think Tillman is that much better than Miley is the best way to describe it. I don't disagree. Yeah. But Miley has made me more sad, and Tillman occasionally made me happy. I, I think... I think this is bias on your part. And I think it comes back to what have you done for me lately? No, I think it's the aspect of you look back at Tillman and you say he has been here for such a long time and he's been here during the dark ages. And he's been here for the magical runs like 2012 and 2014 as well and 2016. And you say, let's give him one last shot where Wade Miley is like, eh, he came in from the Red Sox and I really don't want to have to deal with them. Yeah, it's 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 more of, um, you know, who do I trust more based? Who do you want to take that to that dance basically as your, as your fifth starter? Yeah. Who do, who do I think could be the more effective fifth starter? And, and from what I see left of the shambles of Chris Tillman's career versus what do I see left of the shambles of Wade Miley's career? I think that, that Tillman probably has the chance to every fifth day suck less. That's fair. All right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right, but okay. We understand. Um, so for the time being, the only individual that you are thinking about maybe bringing back would be potentially Chris Tillman. Yes. All right. So we are left with that basically in terms of roster. If we have basically said we're going to fill in the outfield with our current depth, the infield is basically set as well. Your DH is already set because you've got Trumbo. Um, your catcher situation is somewhat set, I would guess. But guess the question is, does Wellington Castillo actually accept his player option? I don't think he will. 
Um, so then you're going into the season probably with Caleb Joseph and Chan Cisco. But none of those guys I would I would like throw out of the ballpark the way I would the pitchers, right? right. Like like even Seth Smith, if they said we wanted to bring Smith, Seth Smith back, I wouldn't be horrified by that, right? If, if they wanted to bring Castillo back, I'd say, okay, sure, fine, whatever. They try to bring those ca- those pitchers back, and I will riot in the streets. Right. So I think it comes back to you look at their payroll, and they've probably got someone in the ballpark of 35 to $40 million to pay three starters. Good luck. I, I, I you know, we'll, we'll talk about what's on the market later, but I think they have to overpay for one year. Yes. Right. I think they have to go out and they have to pay stupid money and we have to know it's stupid money. Yes. To, to literally just say, look, we need pitching. This is the last shot. Let's do it. All right. So what is stupid money to you? Just I'm curious. I, I think if there's a, if there's a starting pitcher that is, is trying to decide how long of a, of a, contract to take Mm -hmm. we need to go in and say we'll pay you one or two years 30 million dollars wow right let's just pay the stupid money are you trying to decide between a 90 million and 121 million dollar deal let's pay you for a year money you can't beat to try to increase your value okay i mean if i'm the orioles and all i've got is one year i get stupid there to be stupid all right. Well, that was a fun conversation. Um, you want to do some fantasy boss and see who won this week? Will it fill me up? Um, probably not. No. What is this? It's been a while. Well, when it comes to popping a natural finger popping, baby, you sure do swing. And when it comes to popping in a You are the king Baby, you got me beat up and down inside and across But in the middle of the night When the moon is shining bright You're the boss Yes, I'm the boss So Jake, I won this week But it wasn't impressive Things are getting dicey here at Fantasy Boss They always get dicey at the end so Jake, uh, I won this week one to nothing for for Ooh, home runs. The dong fest was impressive. Uh, not really. Um, also, we had a wild card category with four hundred and fifty plus, and that got filled this week. But neither one of us picked the right name. Ooh. So uh, Tim Beckham actually hit the last four hundred and fifty foot home run. Get out! Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I think he had a four fifty two uh, this week off of Statcast data. So. Um, is that extra two feet that cost him the, the tooth? I, I'm, I'm very surprised by that aspect that he um, was the one that picked it. So, Jake, we've got to pick a new category this week. And we still have one wild card up in the air, which is multi-home run game. So, Jake, uh, who are you going to go with for uh, your category for this week? All right. My category. Sure. This week. Yes. I'm going to go with, I'm trying to decide pitcher or starter. Oh, um. Can we just go with neither? <laughs> no, uh, I will. I will give you this: pitcher or starter. What do you, you want to do? Uh, let's do pitcher. Pitcher with the highest ground ball percentage. Zach Griffin. Okay, I'm. I'm glad. Actually, that, you know what? That's not actually a good one because he might not pitch. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I was hoping you were not going to pick up on that. Uh, let's see. Who else would be a good one? Um, I don't know. I'll throw Richard Blyer out there. What the hell? Okay. Would it would it surprise you to know, Scott Magnus, in the last week, 
who had the highest ground ball? Let me just uh, let me just resort this. Go ahead and, and and give me that information in the smallest sample size possible. In the last week, which is super meaningful, super meaningful over the last week. Would it surprise you to know that Zach Britton was number two? Uh, it wouldn't completely surprise me because Zach Britton's been off. Although I'm actually looking at this now, and I picked Richard Blyer because I did think he was throwing a lot of ground balls lately. Over the past 30 days, Richard Blyer has a 66.7% ground ball rate. Zach Britton has a 75% ground ball rate. So it's not a bad way to go. Yeah. Of course, you know, uh, I'm going to stop beating around the bush. I'm going to go with Miguel Castro. Okay. So I thought you were going to go with Brad Brock because Castro has been off lately. Yeah. But uh, Brad Brock's been off since, uh, the all-star break ever, ever since, since i said he, ever ever since since I said he, said he was, was gonna good. be good yeah exactly that's that's all on me guys so ground ball percentage folks so hope that we see a bunch of balls in the dirt wait that came out wrong uh that'll be our category this week for fantasy boss and with that so wait, what's our wild card situation are we still bound by the 450 our no for 450? that's gone so it's wiped out it's wiped out of, completely thank we, thank you t swaggy do we need to pick a new one, or are we just going to nope. go with the We're dance? We're just going to go with the one. We're going to go with the, the one. one we brung. Okay. And then if we end up in a tie at the beginning of next week, we've got a few games to figure out what the heck is going to go on. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started with the good, and the good seems so easy this week. Kevin Gosman was excellent this week. I was at Tuesday's game, and I was sure, I was sure I was about to witness a perfect game for at least, you know, 4.2 innings. But uh, no, he was really good. The The thing about Gosman is he had the fastball working, but the off-speed stuff was electric, his splitter was just straight up filthy. But the thing is, he was also throwing that slider every once in a while, just enough to make it a thing. And when he did, he could either backdoor it in for a strike or he could drop it off the table um, so that it was an, a true out pitch. Kevin Gosman pitched masterfully in that one game. He had a really, really disappointing first half of the season. And we keep coming back to second half Kevin Gosman. But man, if we could just get that guy Every once in a while next season, it'd be exciting. My good for this week was Sunday. It was my birthday, and the Orioles happened to win instead of the Ravens. So Sunday is my good for the week. All right, that's good. That's good work. My bad is whew, my bad is Tim Beckham. What happened? He's human. This week he had a weighted runs created plus of thirty six, and he had a higher K percentage at thirty seven than Chris Davis. That's bad. That is plus his bad. wisdom tooth had to come out. His wisdom tooth did have to come out. Um, I think my bad for this week though is going to have to go to Dylan Bundy, who um, that that performance last night was difficult to watch. He also didn't have really great command early in the game. I know he got out of a few jams, but Dylan Bundy seemed off. Honestly, if it were me, I'm shutting down Dylan Bundy at this point and just saying it's not worth it. We're going to bring someone in for spot starts and see what happens. You, you know why he struggled, right? Why? Because he came back out for that ninth inning. That is probably what happened. Yeah. Okay. My ugly for this week has to go to Wade Miley. 
There's nobody else. A single out. He faced seven batters. Six of them scored. Point one of an inning. Wade Miley. Disastrously awful. Ugly. I, I, it was pretty much one of the worst performances we've seen um, in a while for the Baltimore Orioles. But Jake, my ugly for this week is going to go to Manny Machado. Woo! Who, um, well, let's just say he's posting some abysmal numbers right now at the plate. Yeah, that's because he's making out with you. That's true. Uh, he's posting a 120 average, a 207 on base percentage, and a negative two weighted runs created plus. Ouch. Yikes. Maybe it's good that he's sitting for the day just to kind of say, hey, I realize you're not in it. Here's what scares me, though. I see Manny when he starts playing for this team right now, and he obviously knows they're out of it. And I can see the body and the mannerisms change. Really? Yeah, I, I find it interesting you say that because one of the things I noticed on Tuesday was how hard he was running. Really? Yes. See, I don't. Now, it could it, now. I could have been watching, a, uh, you know, a complete. Uh, Maybe side, but, it, it, look if you're seeing it at the ballpark, that's great. That's something that I was going to watch for on Saturday when I go to the baseball park. But certainly at the plate, I feel like he has been distracted and kind of just been like going through the motions. And the last thing I want to see again is for the team to go through the motions, especially during the dark ages and saying, all right, well, we've got this great player, but if he's just going through the motions, what's the point? And I don't want to make that judgment because I realize that I would probably be in the same position as he is right now being like, well, we lost and there's nothing really for me to play. But I, I do get concerned a little bit about, all right, if we give him this large contract, you know, and the Orioles are not that good, is he still going to be that MVP type player? So I was just talking about this today. Here's okay. the thing. Here, here's where I come down on that. Okay. First of all, what I saw on Tuesday could be nothing more than an sure. anecdote, right? So you could be totally right here. Next year, Manny Machado will not only be playing for hopefully a world championship for the Baltimore mm. Orioles. He'll be playing for a contract. Let's say, let's just say okay, sure. that uh, Peter Angelos finds the money he set aside just for, for Manny Machado, right? Just like he right. set aside he that finds, 161 for... Right. He finds asbestos in the Under Armour factories, right. and he's just like, bam, we're got it. Kevin Plank is now going to give me money galore, basically. Let's, let's just pretend that he finds the monopoly money it takes to re-sign uh, Manny Machado. That lawsuit against Nesta Aparicio finally goes through, and he gets the chicken nugget money he needs. He gets all the money, and he's never the same player, right? Mm-hmm. He never has the same passion because he's a bad guy. Let's just, let's let's go worst case scenario. Okay, he. You were talking to your guy again at work, weren't he, you? He's. A, I'm not. I'm not going there. He's a bad guy. He definitely was talking to the guy at work. And and Manny Machado just dogs it from here on out. Manny Machado is a once in a generation player. Yes, I'm convinced of that. And that leads me to believe that 80 percent of Manny Machado is better than most players you're going to get. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just. I'm cons- I, like I said, and that's worst case, right? I see Manny's performance this week, and I do think it is a situation where he's just in a bad streak. But a part of me also is concerned about the aspect of one: does he just say, "eh, it's okay," and, do- and I don't want to think that. I remember growing up as a kid during the '80s, and he hearing people say the thing, same thing about Eddie Murray, and I don't like to have that same thought process. But a part of me is just like, "what if?" Yeah, and it just bothers me, and it bothers me not so much about Manny; it actually bothers me more about myself. I'm at the point where I can't have heroes anymore. Right. And not in baseball. I mean, I, you know, I want that for my kids, but, uh, Jake, I can be your hero. <laughs> Feel me up, Scott. I can take away your pain. Jeez. I will stand by you forever. 
How do you know that many lyrics to that song? You can't take my breath away. All you right. want to go ahead and blow the save? Sure. All right, let's go ahead and blow the save. Scott, I'm going to beg your forgiveness here. I'm not going to talk to you during this blowing the save. I need to ask the listeners for some help. Help me, Rhonda. Help me. Uh, Birds of you listeners, I need some help. Uh, Scott and I are working on this project, and we need some input from listeners. We need uh, basically to conduct a survey and uh, I want to to get willing participants. So, um, if you are willing as a as an Oriole fan to fill out a survey of just general knowledge uh, questions, so to speak, about the Baltimore Orioles, do us a favor. Send us an email. Uh, contact the Bird's Eye View Baltimore dot com. Just put survey in the subject line. I need to ask some questions for something we're putting together uh, for those dark days of the off season. I'm looking to put together some hashtag content, and I need some opinions. So please, I, I need as many voices as possible. Uh, you make the magic happen, listeners. Survey. Send us an email. Contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. And if email is too inconvenient for you, um, you can always hit us up on Twitter. Um, just tweet us at birdseyeviewbal with the hashtag Help me, Rhonda. Nice. Yes. And that's our show. That is our show. Uh, remember, you can find this and all our catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birds Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. This show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Please, please, we'd appreciate a rating and a review. It helps establish what's called social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. Uh, engage with us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's, I guess. But really, what's the point anymore? It's just sad. Let's go JJ Hardy. Yeah, JJ. Bring it home. That was me pausing. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.